My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer. Like my back count a hundred racks, smoking killer. I pull up in that black on black, smoking killer. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Recalling Saul, a podcast about AMC's Better Call Saul, starring Bob Odenkirk, Jonathan Banks, Giancarlo Esposito, Rhea Seahorn, and more. I'm here. Of course, I'm Justin, and I'm here with Pat, Patrick, Pafif. We are on week three for me, maybe week four for you. Of yeah. yeah. Uh, we are currently knee-deep in our Animal Crossing. I think with Animal Crossing, <laughs> I've owned it on GameCube. I've owned it on DS. This is the most time I've ever put into it, because mostly I would just time travel, but now I'm like, eh, I got time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm playing it like I haven't... I I'm the, I was terrible about time traveling on the GameCube one, partially because I was like twelve and I didn't well, give a shit. Well, the time travel, time. the time travel, and and back in the day, like you'd have roaches in your house and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. And so I I don't even know. Like I I'm, I'm sure I could easily find out, but I haven't looked into whether or not that happens in this game. Uh, but I kind of like. I don't. I haven't felt the urge to do it yet. Like I kind of like, man. If I time travel once, I'm just gonna have to like keep doing it. And I already have to keep waking up and doing stuff every day. So I might as well just try to not do it for as long as possible. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is definitely. And, and I think, you know, like the the Animal Crossing phenomenon is definitely taking taking on a life of its own. I mean, this is the this is the perfect game to be playing while you it's, are idle. It's so <laughs> weird. It's it's I, you couldn't have asked for a better release for this game yeah exactly like it 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 really was a perfect timing and and you know nintendo probably didn't you know they didn't want this to happen or they didn't you know guess for this but i mean like just the this the one two three punch of this then resident evil on friday then final fantasy 7 next week and i was just telling meals i was like hey like i was really concerned about having time to play final fantasy 7 remake when it comes out next week and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. I'm definitely going to have time to play it. And I'm, yeah, be, yeah. I'm, I'm shutting off life for 24 hours. <laughs> so how, but you, you said to me, it's not very much of the, of the game, right? Like it's the, not even the first disc. No, it's, it's literally the first six hours expanded into a 30 to 35 hour game. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That's, they've, that's they've, crazy. They've added so much content to it. I know a lot of people are upset because the game is going to be released into, uh, into pieces, but I mean, you want this done correctly. Yeah. And I mean, as somebody who has only, you know, I've never made it out of the opening level famously, but I much more famously than that is that it's a three disc groundbreaking game. And that type of thing is largely fallen by the wayside because of how powerful, you know, processing has become and downloading stuff. And, but you know, it's still the potential for it to exist over like multiple releases, multiple full releases, isn't that crazy? And it's still cheaper than if you try to buy Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it? <laughs> absolutely. Like it, it really is. You know, uh, I mean, just just game development itself is just up up leveled since Final Fantasy VII originally came out. You knew this wasn't going to be done in one. It would never have come out if they tried to do it all at once. So, I think the best thing they could do is after this comes out, at least just give us an idea of when part two comes out. Yeah. Even if it's yearly or bi-yearly, like, you know, I'm probably going to be like 40 when this finally, when this yeah, yeah. but you know, I'm willing to do that. Cause this is a game that obviously like changed my life. Oh, Oh wait, I just got a, you get a notification pat or, or Warren Lotus shirts. 
Oh no, I have. Well, that's that's great. I have. They went to my 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 uh, PayPal is not on this. Not on my mainstream. It's not a defunct email account that I only use for like purchases and signing up for stuff. So I didn't get it. But let's see. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's time. Oh, me, me and Pat are connoisseurs of the of the streetwear, of course. And uh, we we have an order on the way. But uh, FedEx cracking baby. Enough, enough uh, belaboring the point. Yeah. Oh, just, just to say one last thing uh, about the, the gaming right now. Uh, the gaming. Uh, <laughs> the, the quarantine has allowed Animal Crossing to mainstream. Like it was, it was kind of like a, a most known unknown type of hit before now. But like Animal Crossing has mainstreamed because of the quarantine. Like people are buying Switches who never would have bought them before. They're seeing it on social media. Like it's just, it's crazy to me. And like, it's the goofiest game. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is just, a, I mean, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's for, for one, like it's at a time where everyone's apart, it's really bringing people together. Yeah, truly, truly. And I, I think that's really dope. Um, but one thing that is bringing us together today is Better Call Saul. We are on episode, what are we on? Episode seven. Episode seven, yeah. JMM, of course, that we will find out in this episode. It means many things. Uh, but, I mean, how do you feel about just kind of like the, uh, just going in this episode itself, how do you feel about it just coming back from uh, Wexler v. Goodman? Yeah, I mean, they did the, uh, they... They did the thing. They did. I mean, yeah, it's... A, Great, great on the show for once again just going right at it and like, oh, are, are we going to have to wait till they get married? Like, of course, now there's a theoretical divorce hanging over their heads, uh, or no divorce, just you know, a separation uh, that happens sometime before Breaking Bad, and then he goes back to see her in the flash forward. Please God, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, they went right into it. Uh, Huel got some great comedy out of it, and it, they kind of just propelled the plot forward without you know it. As much as like I was saying how this is kind of the network show that people want, like it's a legal drama, it's a crime series, and it's a romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't quite squeeze like the melodrama out of this that they could have, but I imagine they will, you know, in coming episodes potentially. Yeah, uh, and I've actually been on a rewatch of the series, and it has changed a lot as far as even just pacing. This is a much faster season than season one was where it takes you four episodes to get through one grift. Um, <laughs> it, it is a slow burn. It really is a slow burn. And, and this season has really been 40 to 50 miles per hour faster than season one. Not to say season one's bad. It's still great. But you, I, I definitely noticed the differences from going from season five all the way back here. But let's open up as Pat uh, so greatly explained already. With Saul and Kim, they are they're coming up with ground rules for their relationship. Like, you know, she's saying, if you have the urge not to tell me something, tell me anyway. And the fact that Saul has to be told by his <laughs> now wife not to screw her over. And even like later in the episode, he still does it anyway. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of well, crazy. And that I mean, and and he's such a fucking idiot for when he chooses to be like, all right, I gotta tell you something. Like you can wait 20 minutes, man. Yeah, it, it, it was the timing of that one yeah. was very <laughs> ill-advised. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think the, uh, you know, it was good. Like, it it was good to show that, like, you know, Kim knows exactly what she's doing here. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And it isn't like, uh, you know, it, it's there was always this lingering thing of like, is this just going to turn into an abusive relationship where Saul is like this grifter and she has to put up with him? And they've really done a good job of, of avoiding that being the case at all in this season when it's, you know, most potentially critical. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, of course, we get Huel, uh, Kim and Saul are getting married in the court. No rings. Uh, Huel thinks they're getting married because <laughs> Kim is pregnant. <laughs> but uh, but Saul re, re, kind of uh, reconfirms what we already knew and what we said last episode. So I, I give us give us a pat on the back, us and all of the internet, a pat on the back. Uh, he says, if I get into trouble, they can't make her testify. Uh, and she's keeping her last name. And also, we find out that Saul was married twice. Pat, how do you feel about this? <laughs> just like, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, do we know both of his other wives? Well, there is an offhand mention uh, of a second wife uh, in Breaking Bad, actually. And, and again, all of these things that Saul has said offhand that we thought was a joke seem to be coming back in this show yeah, yeah. and manifesting itself crazily. But he has said in one of the episodes that he had a second wife that cheated on him with his stepfather. Ah, okay. Yes. Then, then that, it does make sense for the Jimmy uh, character to have that in his, uh, in his history, which we can assume is, is totally true now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and things that we thought were jokes seem to be again, coming true. And I think we should pay attention to what happens between Specifically, Nacho and Lalo. Yeah, because uh, re- uh, he referenced both of them on Breaking Bad, and now mm-hmm. he's referenced this other character, you know, a second wife. So it's there. It's all. It's all there. It's all coming together. Uh, Kim and Saul exchange their I do's. A uh, very sweet moment, I think. Uh, it, it's it's tough not to think of this moment and be like, okay, is this legitimate? Uh, is this, you know, Kim once again falling on her sword here because there's really nothing left for her? Or is this literally something that they, they wanted to do? Uh, tough to say, but Jimmy does. Sneak, yeah. sneak, I think sneak. it's a little of both. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy does sneak a kiss, a second kiss. And uh, yeah, the I'm, second kiss is like, it's like a real, like they're into it. Like they seem to actually be at least emotionally moved by the moment. I mean, emotionally moved for like five seconds because they don't even go get lunch after they get married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Kim, work. Kim darts at the picture. Yeah, uh, uh, Kim. She he darts off to go work on Mesa Verde stuff, and uh, not Nacho, of course, calls Saul to represent Lalo. Uh, the judge denies bond for Lalo, and he'll have to he'll have to stay behind bars for six weeks, which proposes a very very uh, interesting problem for Saul, which we're going to see him solve in this episode. Now, in season one. This main storyline would have taken four episodes to solve. <laughs> An entire twenty-minute uh, hearing for Lalo. Compa- compared to to Jimmy, Saul is Batman. Like he has prep time out the ass. He can, yeah. he can do it. Uh, we we come back from the commercial break to Kevin, Kim, and Rich at Mesa Verde. Uh, Rich apologizes to Kevin, and Kevin is not happy about losing to Saul. Uh, he berates them, uh, basically, and says he expected more from Kim. Uh, how do you feel about Kevin, his his comments here with uh, with Kim and, and Rich? I'm a, I was glad for the follow-up scene. I mean, Kevin, like, I do li- I like Kevin. I mean, they do a good job of, like, not really, other than, like, a few characters in later seasons. Like, I mean, like, uh, like, Tio Salamanca, like, you obviously mm-hmm. hate uh and, and some other people but uh even kevin like is mostly like kind of a goof uh and even though he's like a villain isn't made out to be like that much of one 
but he's a villain because he's in the way of Saul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but he even like he is just he kind of accepts his position in the world, even though he's a little aggressive, as is uh, you know shown in the the following scene when Kim and Rich walk back into the office. Yes. Uh, I mean, he also tells Kim and this one, I want to get to this line specifically. He says, uh, Kim could do a whole lot better than dating Saul. Ouch. Yeah. Which, you know, is hours after hours, probably an hour after they've gotten married. Um, which, you know, I thought she was going to, you know, throw some kind of a, and by the way, don't ever talk about, uh, you know, my personal life. Uh, uh, but she kind of, what she ended up saying kind of trumped a statement like that. A hundred percent. It really is a, uh, it, it was scathing. And I think yeah. very upset. <laughs> uh, so we, we leave out and Kim is not settling on what just happened. She's not settling having to live in fear of Kevin and, and basically walk on eggshells because they want to keep their position there. And she goes back into his office. Kim tells him the truth that Kevin ignored their advice told him to reconsider many times, leave Acker alone, move the call center months ago. And he would not do it. He wouldn't would even it. get out of the room when they asked him to. Absolutely. And uh, essentially he says, or is that it? <laughs> and they leave. Yeah. How'd you feel about Kim uh, kind of putting her foot down here? Do you think that this kind of, this would make it harder for them in Mesa Verde? Cause I mean, Rich definitely respected what she did there, but it, yeah. I, I, I wonder if that makes more of a problem between them and Kevin. Well, I think it was good because uh, the scene actually did quite a few things. It pretty much, uh, if they wanted to, like the Mesa Verde storyline, Mesa Verde storyline is now done because presumably they'll move forward without like additional difficulty with this other building that they have. Uh, She puts Kevin in his place, which because he's kind of a cowboy or thinks he's a cowboy, he kind of likes that. Uh, he thinks like, okay, well, if I'm going to give it to somebody, they're going to give it right back to me. Then that's good. That's the kind of person I, I want to be dealing with, especially if, uh, I kind of think they're right when they're telling me off. I think it also did a good job of, uh, showing that the relationship between Kim and Rich is not at all splintered after this Mm -hmm. because, you know, she says like, Hey, we can't leave like this. And he's like, what do you want to do? And then it cuts to like, clearly she told him what she was going to say. And he was like, all right, I'll, I'll back you up. And he yeah. did. And it worked. So it, I, it I made me respect. It, it made me respect uh, rich more from the last episode to this one, because he actually does have her back and he wants the best for her. Yeah, totally. Like the, they did a little bit of a, a red herring of like, is it that are things going to between them going to get really bad? And he, he was only ever, pretty much a, a supportive boss. So yeah. it, it was good. I, I, I don't, I, because of the conclusion of the scene, I see it as the relationship is solid going forward. If, you know, maybe Kim and Rich think that Kevin is a little bit of a moron, mm. but otherwise I think it's solid. I think as far as I'm concerned, Mesa Verde is, uh, is on the scoreboard. Let's, uh, let's move on to Kim's next client. <laughs> uh, back to Saul after the commercial break. Uh, we are with Saul and Lalo. Lalo notes the JMM on his bag. Uh, of course, this means uh, this is obviously Saul's original name, his surname. But uh, Saul says it means justice matters most. And Lalo is using a fake name, which we find out here. Yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't and, and he doesn't want a trial, or nor does he want to cut a deal. He wants to get out on bail. Lalo says if Saul can do this, he'll be in league with the cartel, which means just 
make money. I let me tell you, I loved Lalo in this episode. He definitely was a character that was on like the tertiary side. He wasn't really I, I felt no way about him. He just yeah. kind of he moved the plot forward. And you know? we talked a little bit in an earlier episode, I think the uh when the trap house gets raided, yeah. uh how he got to display a little bit of personality there because yeah. instead of just being like this looming boss, he was actually, you know, he was on the ground doing stuff, even if part of doing stuff was watching Nacho do stuff. He was still right there and he displayed a lot of personality. And yeah. here we finally got back to something like that. His delivery of just make money, I thought, was one of my favorite line readings of the season. Yeah, it, it really was. And again, we got to give it up for Tony Dalton. Uh, like, relatively, I mean, doesn't do many, many shows or movies, you know, in this country, but he's really been killing it. And I think now they're starting to move the gears for him to to be doing whatever he does. We, we don't know what it is yet, yeah. but, but to do what, what it, what it does that gets him into so much hot, hot water with Gus. But um, again, he he's, we were left with Saul in a, a nearly unwinnable situation here where he has to get someone off on bond uh, from a attempted murder charge in the first degree. And yeah. how like so a, about as big of a, a like a, a no bond, a no bond situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after that, we go back to Mike, who is reunited with Kaylee after a, a really rough couple of weeks for those two, uh, reading her a bedtime story, The Little Prince. Have you ever read the story? Uh, I have not read it, but I did see uh, the Jeff Bridges Netflix version. Yeah. Uh, and I think all the dialogue is straight lifted from the from the book. Yeah. And I, I was trying to figure out if this has anything, uh, I, I guess some like symbolic thematically to yeah. do with what's going on this season. Yeah. It doesn't really, not from what I read, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember it well enough, honestly, to, uh, to say, um, Mike reminisces about his son, uh, and he says he's better now. And that, you know, he just he, he's decided to play the the uh, cards that have been dealt for him, which I think kind of clues you into why he does what he does with Gus uh, going forward is that, you know, this is really what life has set out for him. And I think that in Breaking Bad that we see that he can break away from that after, you know, Gus passes away. But uh, this is this is really a, a really nice scene, too. I thought the Mike stuff was, was really awesome this this episode as well. Yeah, it was really good. And it was good to see that, you know, he can now talk or think about his son without punching a hole in the wall or going to uh, fight someone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was a funny, you know, his uh, scenes after this, when he's only mentioned are also very funny. Yeah. Um, As a private investigator, the, the private investigator stuff is always fun. We don't see a lot of it. We really don't see a lot of it in breaking back. We see a lot of the, the mercenary for hire stuff. And yeah, you know, again, we know he's a badass, but we want to see him be cunning as well. Like I, th- I think the big part about Mike is that he's unassuming. Yeah. He's and, like, he's like smart grandpa. Like yeah. he's like, he could shoot somebody if he needs to. Uh, but usually he is like, he goes in looking like an old guy and then just walks out. Like when he, you know, when he, uh, it's it's the most old guy energy ever to get a cover job at Madrigal and then do the job incredibly well. And the cool. job that is like telling people off basically. Or to like, be a parking attendant. I mean, yeah, he's a parking yeah, attendant too. So. Exactly. Like he's, he's, it's, I think Mike is uh, one of the best. I mean, obviously on this show, but I think it just overall in TV this decade, I think he's one of the best, I guess la- now last decade, technically. 
Yeah, we. I mean, it's it's easy for him to be this decade. I mean, it just started. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely yeah. top three. Definitely top three. Uh, we go back to Kim and Saul. Uh, Saul, they're they're back at home, and he's still not telling Kim what's going on. They drop their bags and they attempt to have sex. And he tells her about Lalo and his situation and how he'd be in with the cartel if he could pull this off. Now, to me, Kim knows that Saul can do this, right? Yeah. And the, and kind of is, I mean, I don't want to say excited about it, but I mean, kind of into it. I mean, they, they get right back to the sex after the conversation. Well, well, she does ask him, do you want to be a friend yeah. of the cartel? Yeah. And I put in my notes, those are famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> I think Saul absolutely does because what's the next thing he says after that? This is, this is private jet money. This is our own house money. This is this, this is that, this is yeah. the money. Yes, he does. But he know once again, there's a schism in the relationship where Saul is firmly entrenched in this other side. He is not Jimmy anymore. He can't, he cannot be. Yeah. And even if like, I mean, you know, the American legal system, blah, blah, blah. But it, like, if you're a, if you're a mob lawyer, if you're a cartel lawyer, even if you're doing things that aren't technically illegal under the letter of law, you're still doing, you know, crazy shit and you know, know about you have to, you have to stomach a lot of stuff, even if you're technically not doing anything yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a, a lot to, to bite off. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, like, I, I really like that Saul was, uh, was not convinced that he would get bail. And that was how he soothed her by saying like, Oh, he's not going to get bail. But you already know the gears are turning in his head. How he's going to be able to get? Yeah, him to and you know, if he, on a, a slightly meta level, if he if he weren't getting bail, it probably wouldn't be on the show. Like yeah. you know, he's <laughs> going to get bail because you're watching the fucking show. But but how is he going to get bail? And, yeah, and yeah. He could not get bail, and then that would also be a, a you know, the, Breaking Bad in this universe, not everything goes well. I mean, you go back to, to El Camino with with Jesse trying to get the the uh, the money. Yeah, and that, yeah, that doesn't go well. Like when it doesn't go well, that's even better for this show. So like, yeah, again, the the gears are turning, but we're trying to figure out when the griff won't work. And I think this is where we're teetering on this season is that Saul is playing a lot of dangerous games. But when is when is it gonna run out? When is luck gonna run out? And I think that this is an, another episode where it's like, okay, there, he, there's no way he can do this. Yeah, but it, it you know it, it's already going to like even before he agrees. Like in in this, we see at the end of the episode, it's really gone to his head. But even in this scene with Kim, he hasn't even said yes, or he hasn't even gotten Lalo out yet. And it's, you know, he's talking about jets. He's talking about houses. Like, so he's already thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, we are going back to Lalo who gets a phone given to him in his cell. Of course, cartel moves. Yeah. Uh, and he sends Nacho on the job. Uh, later on, Nacho meets with, with Mike Nacho wants out. He wants to disappear and he wants to find a way out for him and his father. But Lalo's job for Nacho conflicts things. He wants him to burn down Los Polos Hermanos. And then Mike says he's not out of the picture, is he? And drives off to go to this. What a great scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great, great reaction from Mike where like you think it's it seems like it's kind of going to be like a long, intense scene. And as soon as Nacho says that, Mike's like, "Okay, talk to you later. Yeah, because he said he cannot talk to Nacho about getting him out unless Lalo's out the picture. Nacho is getting very concerned. It is getting like it. For, I mean, for as much as this is is you know consuming and swallowing uh, Saul into the the bad side, Nacho doesn't want to be into this. Saul does. 
Yeah, <laughs> and I I think that's ultimately going to be one of the most tragic elements of the end of the show. Uh, like I expect at this point, I mean, I've never really thought Kim was going to die. I always thought she was going to leave him. But at this point, I'm not even sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. But I think most certainly by the end of the show, the thing, you know, I think Gus is probably going to take out Nacho and Lalo by the end of the show. Uh, and Nacho kind of as a more tragic result of taking out Lalo. But, uh, you know, of course, somebody could, you know, again, as I'm saying, that Kim might be alive. One of these guys could, you know, make it, you know, who knows. But And I do think Kim was alive. I do too. I think it would be, uh, uh, yes. Well, I think we'll talk at end up talking about this a lot, but I, I agree. Um, so we to guys for the, the me part of this episode. And there are two very lengthy parts of this episode. We get reintroduced to Madrigal. Uh, he's in Houston meeting with the restaurant chains that Madrigal, uh, they provide uh, materials and, and equipment for. Uh, and we get reintroduced to Peter Schuler, if you remember correctly, back in season five, uh, he's a guy who takes his own life because, hey, yep, he, they find out that he was funding the Super Lab. And we see a different side of Gus here as he yeah. uh, as he introduces Spice Curls. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you. Spice Curls sounds pretty fucking awesome. I want to try Spice Curls. Yeah, I mean, they sound good. I think they are just seasoned curly fries, but, you know, that's fine with me. It's It was yeah. so funny how uh, Gus gets away with everything because he's like a fucking dork. Like he's a guy who just loves like running his fast food restaurant. Like that's how he gets away with being a drug lord. And he's very charismatic. And I think that's what I, what I liked about this scene is that you saw the charisma and you saw his routine. Uh, he goes back to the, uh, the, the hotel after he gets a thumbs up from Schuler. I, I, I screen capped that. I thought the thumbs up was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, um, but he goes back there and you see his routine and he meets with Lydia and Peter on the other side of an adjoining room. Peter wants to know if the Super Lab can continue now that Lalo is in jail. Uh, and Lydia says something that I thought was hilarious. And of course, this is another line that if you didn't watch Breaking Bad, you would not laugh at. She says, don't people get killed in prison all the time? Yeah. <laughs> I lost it. Yeah, that was so funny. And it, it's a funny line reading no matter what. But given what happens, it's especially great. It is fucking hilarious. Excellent foreshadowing, I have to say. Yeah. This is why I love this show. Yeah. This, show is great. this this was a great scene uh, of one of the phenomenons we talk about with this franchise all the time where all three people in this scene, the actors are at least, if not more, about 15 years older than the characters, than the versions of themselves that they're allegedly portraying. And the show just doesn't care. It's yeah. great. Uh, so we, we get some really interesting things here. Obviously, Peter and Gus know each other and they've known each other for a long time, but they've also been into some into some some deep shit before he said that he, he's remember when they, their backs were against the wall. What do you think he's talking about here? Well, I mean this, it's funny that they brought this up because this is what we were talking about. I think in the last episode where really the only thing uh, he said, he says Santiago, right? Yeah. Yeah. In, in Chile. And that's you know, some of the only things that like the only we basically before he was in America, the only broad detail we know about Gus is some shit went down in Chile and Santiago's obviously in Chile, uh, and it's crazy that this uh, slightly healthier-looking version of Trump was out succeeding in Chile. But uh, you know, he, they were into like some crazy shit down there, and it's really one of the. It's like the closest we get to hearing anything about what Gus was actually into before he came to America. 
and he was doing it with Peter, who is German. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering where, if we're ever going to get any uh, insight onto what it is. Even if we didn't, it's still fine. It, it still kind of heightens the mystery of Gus, yeah. what he did that was so, because everyone talks about this moment, but no one says really what it was. Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of, you know, it's, we talk about this phenomenon quite a bit uh, on all of our podcasts, but when is it, at what point is it worth it to explain something? And at what point is it a big mistake to explain something? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, it, uh, something we talked a lot about with like the movie us or something like, would it have been better off leaving more unsaid? And I think ultimately if you give people one scene about Santiago, you're going to have to give them three scenes about it. Yeah. So, so we we get a, a a really good and really charismatic once again uh, conversation or explanation from Gus that if he kills Lalo in jail right now that would mean war because they would know that it was Gus who did it and they can't deal and they're not prepared to to go to war with the cartel yet they don't want to do it at all really I mean a fucking this guy's about to pass out in the chair we see him jump in Breaking Bad he was ready to do it now yeah uh, and, and again I I love that you mentioned that I didn't I didn't pick up on that he he is essentially a flighty dude like all, any sense of pressure and he's ready to go so peter says the auditors have been calling him the the people of course who are looking at their the magical funding and they said that they will catch him for funding the lab if it takes any longer to build gus convinces him to hold tight i love this because again we know what happens here it it, it explodes and and that's how they figure it out but but it shows that they were holding off auditors for a very long time and what exactly was the front that they were saying it was in order to to miss out on this huge lab that they've been funding. There was a weird cut here, though, Pat. I don't know if you caught it, but when Gus says, now we're, we'll eat, Gus sits down. He's very tired and winded. What was that about? I'm not sure. I think maybe it's, you know, kind of him dropping the facade a little bit uh, of, like, that he might not actually believe they're okay as – as okay as he's saying they are, but it was, I agree. It was a strange, uh, a strange moment. I didn't, uh, and there's, there's a couple of those every season where I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to interpret, uh, you know, somebody's whatever somebody is emoting, well, he's, but he's putting the yeah. salt down when I'm, and I thought it might've been something else that wasn't salt, but he puts the salt down. He's tired. He gets a drink. Um, some people on Reddit said that he thinks that Gus and Peter had sex. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I could, I, I could see that. But with Lydia there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, uh, that certainly wouldn't have happened. Lydia's never had sex with anyone. Uh, it's, it's weird, but, but yeah, I mean, I could easily see, uh, a romantic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially, you know, if they have this, uh, this other history, but yeah, with it would, you would have think, I think if that would have been the, the, direct insinuation that they would have made a point of Lydia leaving. And if they had done that, I would have said like, Oh yeah, these guys are hooking up. Just, just a weird, weird cut there. I was just wondering what you thought about it. Um, back to Saul and Kim. They're looking for new places. <laughs> Mike calls Saul uh, and shows up to the apartment. Of course he does his mic. That's, it's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> uh, because, because of course, uh, two or three episodes ago, Mike didn't help out Saul and Saul remembers this and Saul pulls the same thing. He turns on his blender and says, I'm in a tunnel. And then he, uh, he does a spot on impersonation of Mike, which I think he should be given an award for. Uh, but Mike shows up and says, Mike and Mike tells Saul that he needs to get uh, Lalo out on bail. Uh, and he gives them the evidence to make it possible. So we start to see the grift work. 
And Mike, of course, gives him the keys to make the grift happen. Uh, I mean, again, to be Gus in this, in this moment has to suck because right after this, uh, we go right to Gus and Nacho vandalizing and burning down the old Los Polos Hermanos. This scene is great. Yeah, so I, I, this was, tell me if I'm wrong here, but the reason that Nacho was also, uh, uh, technically you don't need to vandalize a place if you're going to blow it up, but they probably wanted to make it look like the blowing up. Yeah, like, is that what they wanted? They did want it to look like an accident? I, I didn't. Oh, I, no, no, not an accident. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe they, wanted they, it to, they wanted it to look like they, somebody came in, vandal. they were using the vandalism to enhance the arson, basically. And and I think that's what's going to get the new one built because they'll they'll be able to say that the arson or really explosion <laughs> was yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, was you know done with malice and they can get insurance out of it and yeah, that's yeah. the new one yeah because otherwise it could be like uh, employee negligence or something yeah. Uh, but yeah even if the place blows up you can still see that the booths and shit had been cut to ribbons. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love Gus still being meticulous, even as <laughs> as his restaurant is about to blow. Yeah. Make, sure yeah. the fryers are, make sure the fryers are clean and stuff like that. Uh, he puts a chicken. He, he opens up the gas. And I, I love I love that Breaking Bad does these very like you come up with it when you're four years old, like what or, or six, seven years old. Like what would happen if I turned on all the gas and, and, and the building yeah, yeah, yeah. And chicken slide into the fryer? And then have the fryer pop and, and burn and stuff like that. And of course he does that. It blows up. Gus has, he's taking another L. He is pissed. Lalo is making his life a living hell, just like Walt did, but possibly worse. Like I look at this and I'm like, whatever Walt did had nothing on what Lalo is doing to Gus right now. Yeah. Yeah. Minor setback for a major comeback. <laughs> uh, so we go back to Saul. And uh, Saul brings up the PI disguise that Mike used last episode to gold the evidence out of the librarian, uh, which is the perfect alibi given by Mike. I have to tip my head. <laughs> uh, Saul has, we're in the courtroom and Saul has hired, this one hurt, this one broke my heart here. He hired a fake family to represent Lalo and Fred Whalen, the person who Lalo did kill, his family's there also. Saul is conflicted because once again, devil on his one shoulder, angel on his other shoulder. He's in the middle of it and he can he can pick he can make the right choice and he does not make the right choice here. What do you think about the scene as a whole? It, it, it was good and it's good to show that like he does have reservations about how he is becoming what he's becoming. Uh, ultimately, I think we see him in Breaking Bad as a guy who is less conflicted about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that uh, we were just talking. Uh, what is the, the Kettleman's? Is that their yeah. name? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 it even though I, you're rewatching this uh, right now and I'm going to, but haven't yet the, it, it was evocative of, of stuff like that where he has been involved in like, like family is a running theme on the show in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it really m- makes the decisions for a lot of the characters within this universe uh, is their families, uh, whether good or bad. And I think Lalo is, or he's so, he's so, so good here. And he turns yeah, around yeah. and looks at the family and waves. And because Saul has told him, like, you know, play it up to the judge, just look yeah. scared. And he is, he he does do it, but it not to a point where it's over the top. But to yeah. the point where you see this tough guy, his his facade kind of it doesn't linger anymore. It, it goes away. And, yeah. and I thought it was great. I think one of the things that's really good about Lalo and really good about uh the performance, especially, uh, is that it's 
in, in most of the moments you think he's going to be kind of like Kevin where he's unreasonable and a hard ass. And because of that, not listening to the best legal advice, mm-hmm. but isn't like that. He's actually, you know, uh, the, the, the quote unquote, you know, the unsanctioned version of Kevin, the street version or whatever is much better at taking his lawyer's advice and becoming what he needs to become in the moment. He's not just some, you know, hard ass, uh, guy who's like, fuck this. Like, you know, you get me out on bail. He goes along with the scheme. He's, he, he's like, I hired this guy to get me out and, uh, I'm going to go along with his plan to get me out. And he trusts Saul, which is kind of crazy, but there's something about him. He, he's got, he knows that Saul has the, has the ear and the eye for this. And I think that he saw that from the beginning, right? Yeah. I think he knows, he knows that Saul is good at this and like above average it and like, you know, creative and, and all this stuff, but, and that he's almost on it. Like he wants somebody who isn't just a, like a minion, but he doesn't want somebody who's quite going to really challenge him. Yeah. And I think that that's who Saul is. So uh, the judge, of course, because of the <laughs> the goading of the, the, the PI and the just the general mishandling of the case, does grant Lalo bond. Uh, I love how every time we see Saul in a court courtroom, either the judge or the prosecutors are flustered by the end of it. <laughs> this is what <laughs> again. Uh, and when get him on tilt, that's how you win. They give them they give him seven million dollars bond. Lalo says, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm cool. That's, it's you. It's so awesome. It's a great moment. It's to cap off a great Lalo episode. It's a great moment because Saul thinks it's a loss. Like he thinks yeah. like after all this, oh man, I didn't get it. But then Lalo's like, okay, yeah. But so this is good. And then, yeah, the, and the delivery of like, I need you to get it is like, okay, I, you know, it's a little bit of out of the frying pan into the fire. Like worst case scenario in that courtroom, Saul doesn't get the bail, but in real life now where anything could happen, he has to go pick up $7 million in cash. Yeah. Not only does he get it, but he has to go, he, not only does he get, he gets the bail and he has to go get the money. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he really has to get the bail. So, uh, he comes out and he sees the family again, really great shot of Saul looking from the corner and you see kind of half of his face in the other half. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you're listening to this episode, you'll have probably seen it on the cover of this episode and 3000 other places on the internet by, it's, uh, by that and it is fantastic it's a fantastic shot um Saul I mean he's a guy that essentially is supposed to protect the little guy we are now seeing that he is shifting from protecting the little guy to protecting the bad guy it's definitely something that he, he is weighing heavy on his conscience but just look who he sees yeah. he sees Howard Hamlin and he asks about the job again Howard takes the job offer off the table because he knows that Jim that Jimmy was trying to fuck him over he knows about the bowling ball and he knows about the hookers. Of course, how would he not know about it? I think that we, yeah. I, I'm, I surmise that we all knew that he knew that this was happening. Uh, I love that Howard in this moment was intelligent enough that he could see through Jimmy's BS here. He, he tells Jimmy that, you know, he's sorry that he's hurting. He's sorry that, that Jimmy's in pain over Chuck because because Jimmy brings up that, he, you know, HHM killed Chuck, which is far from the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jimmy is the one who did it. And yeah. <laughs> we, we are manifest again. We're manifesting these feelings that he's had since season four, that he's not reconciled properly yet. He is still hurt. He is still lashing out and he lashes out at Howard masterclass performance by Bob Odenkirk. And I say this every single episode. I wish more people watch this to see 
what this guy's doing on this show. Yeah, I mean, it was a great silent performance from Howard. Just like, okay, I'm I'm walking away. Like I know I've known Jimmy long enough to know that he's crazy, uh, and that you know he might embarrass himself here. And even I don't think Saul believes he's embarrassed himself after this. I think he thinks it's awesome, and it, as a performance, it is awesome. I mean the the his the brags get bigger as he as he chases Howard down the hallway. Uh, he he almost expects him to start foaming at the mouth while he's while he's yelling. Yeah, and he says all types of things. And, and the things he's saying aren't, like, they're not true yet, but they will be true. Yeah, I mean, he's, he said he's a god in human's clothing. He, he can make I, I run in circles you can't even conceive, which, I mean, now that he's going to pick up this $7 million is kind of true, but it has, we see it's immediately gone to his head. Like, yeah, it, immediately. It, he is, Jimmy is Saul. There is no going back here. And we we also learned from this moment. And again, we've been saying for the past three episodes, where is this Howard thing going to end up? And this is the moment that it had to happen. I, I doubt we see Howard ever again. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe in like a, you know, even at the, yeah, I would, I would expect actually that, the, the, I mean, this as a, a, a to being the person who finally, uh, you know, sets him off in this out. mode yeah is a good final note for howard and uh, honestly it's a good like howard didn't come out of this like even though saul like yelled at him and chased him down the hallway howard didn't really come out of it looking bad no i mean he 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 used this moment because i mean howard's always been terrible at, at, at knowing jimmy's true intentions he's always fell for his traps he's always fell for all of his jokes this was a moment where he didn't fall for any of that and i think you know more symbolically howard turning his back was not just Howard turning his back on Jimmy and Saul. It was the 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 world of of actual professional legal practice turning yes. their backs on him too. Yeah. this was his last chance. Yeah, hundred percent. Like this, is, he has publicly done this Enough. now. And like he basically did what Richard told Kim never to do. Uh, not that he was actually working for Howard, but like in front of a million people, he is you know a, you know told Howard that. He, what he does is worthless compared to what Saul does. So there's no going back from here. No, absolutely not. And I, and I have a question just as we, as we put the ball in this episode, was Saul born out of hurt and rejection or was this what Jimmy always was? Uh, I think, I, I think probably uh, the hurt more, you know, I think the hurt turned, uh, could have been either, could have been either fork in the road and the hurt made him take a different fork, I think. Uh, because I do think there is a reality in which he could have, if he'd gotten a, uh, if he'd gotten on his feet a little earlier in his life, he could have mm-hmm. been fine being working at, at HHM. Yeah. It, it, we definitely see that Jimmy's lost his cool. I mean, this is not, and again, I know we always say this is Saul now. It's like, but it's like, we, we see Saul slips. Yeah. Just the same way that Jimmy slips. And I think this is the moment where he's full on, you know, sleazebag. And, you know, even watching season one, it, these characters are very different. They, they are night and day, you know, immediately. And, you know, seeing this scene was, was very much, it was scary. It was almost like, you know, he is not the little guy anymore. He is fully on the bad guy. Uh, and that wraps up JMM. Next episode, Bagman. We have three episodes left. Vince Gilligan returns. He directs the next episode. The first episode, I think he's directed in quite some time for this show. Uh, and, and Peter Gould, who is the writer for uh, for Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, he tweeted out a day ago, never said this before, 
This was wild. Yeah, but if you can, I'd advise you to watch the next few Better Call Saul episodes as soon as they're available. Seeing these fresh will be something to remember. Leaving them on your DVR or queue might be a mistake. So something big is happening, and we already know Vince is directing it. It's something big is happening. You already know that when the better the, the next time on has literally no dialogue, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of shots. It's it's something something's going down. Every t- I mean the, the the less dialogue, the more intense the episode is going to be. Yeah, I'm I'm very concerned for uh, quite some quite quite some some something going down. I think yeah, yeah. Here, I'm very excited for Vince to for Vince to direct it. We see a car seat filled with blood. I think we see the twins also. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So I'm I'm pretty sure uh, the war is beginning or going to begin, or they might be on their way to Albuquerque. The same way they did in Breaking Bad, but just like we have, just like Better Call Saul ends, Recalling Saul has the end until next week. I feel as though these episodes are coming a lot quicker now that I have nothing else to do between them. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. So it's it's already uh, what Thursday now. Uh, we'll, we'll, Wednesday. Oh, Thursday when this comes out, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it'll be Thursday when this comes out. Wednesday or Monday will be no sweat. But I'm really excited about this. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting us and make sure you subscribe to us at RNC Radio Watch on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RNC Radio Live for all the latest and greatest of all of our shows and playlists. Uh, And yeah, until next week, thank you guys for listening to Recalling Saul. For Pat, I'm Justin. Stay safe and see you later. My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer. Like my bank account, a hundred racks, smoking killer. I pull up in that black on black, smoking killer. My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer. I wake up in this state of mind, like sky's the limit. My nigga strapped you across the line, but I'm gon' kill you. I'm focused on a million cash, that's the vision. Speeding and I'm finna crash, that's the feeling. But till my tires burn off and my wheels give out. These backwoods burn slow, like my bills to shout. When the people come for you, they gon' steal your house. Put your name on their papers, they gon' fill you out. Couple moves from your quota, come fuck up your count. How you thinkin' bounce back when you out? Look, I'm tiptoeing over traps. Tight roping out of height, you fall, you knowin' it's a wrap. But I'ma keep this balance, cause it ain't no turning back. Ain't no looking down, my niggas ain't concerned with that. More concerned with cash, more concerned with running laps, running rap, getting rich and running back. My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer. Like my bank account, a hundred racks, smoking killer. I pull up in that black on black, smoking killer. My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer. Yeah, yeah. What's the deal, nigga? What's the deal, nigga? How you feel? Now you know this shit is real, nigga. Once upon a time was in the field, nigga. War time, really kill a kill, nigga. Gunfire, shooting out civils, nigga. Young wild police gonna deal with you. Not too many still living. So I gotta paint it real vivid. I'm surprised that I'm here, nigga. No, I'm blind to my fears, nigga I shine like the beers, nigga 
And fly like a leer, nigga And climb like the stairs, nigga Spend time out in Paris, nigga Come from where the grannies gotta bury niggas And money make these hoes wanna my marry on my ceiling crack, smoking killer Like my back and count a hundred racks, smoking killer I pull up in that black on black, smoking killer My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer About them late nights Drive to Vegas, cross the state lines Finally did it, it just take time Since I was Shay high My only goal was get this cake right And what they say, right? You on your own, is what you made like She was out there every day, right? Trying to push forward, trying to eat steak, right? Put some hundreds in your safe, right? Hang some flat screens in your place, right? Life insurance just in case, right? Gave something to the Lord just in case, right? Sitting solo first class on a straight flight I remember waiting on my daylight Every day I'm on this paper chase light Stand between these buildings till the daylight Wiggle through the prisons and the grave sites Then you finally get it in my AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer Like my back and count a hundred racks, smoking killer I pull up in that black on black, smoking killer. My AC on my ceiling crack, smoking killer.